put yourself in the shoes of the prophet Isaiah. Imagine that your task is to inspire God's people to leave the land of exile and walk 500 miles through the wilderness back to their homeland. What would you say to them? How would you motivate them to make such a difficult journey? Hey, this is Nate with Purity for Life, and this is the sixth episode in our series, A Firm Foundation. Today we'll be talking about Isaiah 55. This passage is an exhortation to God's people now that he has brought to them the promised one, the Redeemer. Um, Now that Jesus has come, now that we have seen the promises that are available in the gospel, have seen where sin has been taking us, now this is an exhortation to respond. It isn't hard to see that Isaiah's words have timeless relevance. How many of us, spiritually speaking, can relate to the experience of having been taken by cruel captors into a foreign land. How many of us have sat in that place, dazed, despairing, wondering how we'll ever get back to a place of peace? That's the cross, that's the gospel, that's the renewing power of God, or the redeeming power of God, I should say, to take something that was completely wasted, completely ruined, and make it better than if all of that would have never happened. In today's show, we dig into some of the most famous of Isaiah's prophecies. Here we go. All right, so this is the sixth episode in our series of Firm Foundation, and we're studying Isaiah 55, and I have Austin Kropp with me, who is one of our biblical counselors here, and also sort of an IT apprentice. (laughs) Yes, sir. (laughs) Um, And uh, so where we're at in the series, just real quick review, we have talked about God's warnings to us to stay out of sin. We've talked about his heart for us if we ignore his warnings. We've talked about how he works in our lives to discipline us, chastise us, and then now we're beginning to talk about our response to that work, you know, of his discipline in our lives. We should humble ourselves, pray, seek his face, turn from our wicked ways. That's sort of the the structure we laid out um, from 2 Chronicles chapter 7. And then this chapter, Isaiah 55, is helping us to see how to seek him, Hmm. right? Seek his face. So maybe we can start out and just talk a little bit about the context of this chapter. And by the way, before we even get started, and this chapter is so deep that there's no way we can talk about (laughs) all of it. We're Mm -hmm. just going to scratch the surface, but we should be able to pull out some things that are really helpful. Mm -hmm. So context, what did you learn as you you studied? Yes. So the context of this seems to be like Isaiah is writing to a people in exile, a people that have seen the judgments of God come upon them, just as was prophesied. And they are definitely in a place of, well, it's not like, (laughs) well, you know, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters because, oh yeah, here's an obvious wellspring of water. Um, No, like they were in a place of very much 
what you could say, dry, both politically, socially, like they were completely out of their element as far as being out, outside of their own land. So this is a very kind of what? You would have to take this on faith because this is not something that's just obvious. Like um, right in the moment, as I'm telling you this, you can go and receive the blessings and benefits of this. Mm. So that's something that I've been pulling from it as far as the, the context. Yeah, for those people who are interested in sort of the historical background and that sort of thing, I found something fascinating as I was studying this. This is one of the only places in Scripture, if not the only, where a prophet actually preaches to a future group. So he's not just predicting what will happen in the future, but he's actually speaking to people who are in the future as if he's there with them, wow. right? And so that has led a lot of people to say, oh, Isaiah obviously couldn't have written this because he, mm. he couldn't have been there. But, um, you know, if you believe that God sees the, the end from the beginning, then he can speak to his prophets and speak through his prophets even to a future group. Mm -hmm. So Isaiah is writing in Judah, mm. but he's writing to a people in Babylon. Mm -hmm. And I just think that, like you said, that is so helpful for us because if we are in some kind of difficulty mm -hmm. and we know the promises of God are for us, but we're not experiencing them mm -hmm. in some way, then this chapter is like hugely helpful for us. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. telling us something about how to come to God because th these people are in the place that we might find ourselves. Like mm -hmm. if we've repented of sexual sin and we're in that process of repentance, then these scriptures are for us. Mm -hmm. And they're in a way like a mirror image of what we might be feeling, like you were saying. He's saying, come to the waters and I'm gonna do all these amazing things, but here we are like in exile, mm -hmm. we're still in captivity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's powerful stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I find this uh, inspiring and comforting that scripture speaks to us where we are. There's always something I find in scripture that, that meets me in the place where I am. And for someone like that, this is exactly fits their situation. And that's, that's, really, that's really comforting to me. Okay, so this, this chapter is kind of broken up into two sections, verses 1 through 5 and then verses 6 through 13. So why don't we just talk a little bit about the first couple of verses and what did you pull out of it and how did you interact with it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I guess in general, it seems like this passage is an exhortation to God's people now that he has brought to them the promised one, the redeemer. Um, now that Jesus has come, now that we have seen the promises that are available in the gospel, have seen where sin has been taking us. Now this is an exhortation to respond to that. Mm -hmm. And so in Jesus, we see that 
we can have this. We, there is something in Jesus that gives us what we need. So here he's saying respond to that though. Like it's not just enough to know about it. Like, mm. oh yeah, there's Jesus. He has all that I need. Okay, so what now? Well, no, there's a call here now. He says, come, come, um, come to the waters. You know, come. You don't have to have anything to commend yourself for this. You can come as broke as you are, as wasted as your life may be, you can come and you can partake in this. And that was really something that stuck out to me. It really re reminded me actually of what Jesus talked about in, um, what is it, John 7, um, when he went up to Jerusalem for the Feast of the Tabernacles and he stood up and he said, come to me all you who are thirsty. And this first part really reminded me of that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the things, and we'll see this a little bit later, but I think one of the things that this chapter helps balance out maybe is that it's given to us for free, and yet we have to respond to it, like you were mm -hmm. saying. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we want to say, well, if it's for free, then I shouldn't have to do anything. Right. Right? I yes. shouldn't have to seek God. I shouldn't have to deny myself. I shouldn't have to do this hard work or whatever. And I think that this chapter helps balance balance that out, that it is absolutely for free, mm -hmm. so respond, mm -hmm. right? right? Do the thing he's asking you to do because it's for free. And, and then in verse 2, it's not like we, we're going to labor for something, mm -hmm. right? So he says, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Um, I'm reading from the ESV this whole time. What are you reading from? ESV. ESV, as well. okay. Yeah, so we always labor for something. Mm -hmm. It's either we labor for something that is life giving or we labor mm. for something that brings us death. Yes. Mm -hmm. So which one are we going to labor for? What are we going to spend our money on? You know, mm. our time, our energy, our, our resources. And in a life of sin, we were spending our resources on something that totally destroyed us. Mm -hmm. Yes, very much. I um, can remember so vividly um, how that was for me. And, you know, part of my testimony is that I did everything that I could to go into sin, but God had built lots of walls around me, um, a loving family, a very conservative culture, but I spent everything that I could in order to get what sin promised me. And it was so empty for me. At the end, I was more hopeless than ever. And I'm sure that a lot of us can relate to that, that there is nothing in that pursuit of sin. But on the other hand, now that I have repented, now that I am turning to the Lord, and now that I'm living in um, a life of obedience to him, I'm finding much more, yeah, just like what he was saying. There is real water that is slaking that thirst in me now that I'm responding. There's real substance that I am um, living by day to day. I don't have to just go on whatever I did before from one high to the next. Um, I'm living on the word of God, and it is satisfying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that is the total promise, and exactly that's what comes out at the end of verse 2. Listen diligently to me mm -hmm. and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. 
Yeah, I think sometimes we're just so, <laughs> I see this so much in myself, but in the guys I counsel as well, we're very, we need this. Like that verse is a very needed verse because we don't just naturally say like, okay, I'll listen. Like that's completely the opposite from what we've done in the past. Um, we've gone our own way, we've done our own thing, but we're gonna have to make some very intentional things uh, take place in our lives in order to incline our ears to what he is saying, to what our Redeemer is saying. For these promises to be true and real in our lives, I'm gonna have to humble myself and incline my ear to what he's saying. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't come natural for us. So, um, he's not just saying, hear the words, mm -hmm. you know? And if you're a father or a mother, mm -hmm. you understand the difference, right? Because sometimes you tell your children, listen to me. What do you mean? Like just hear that I'm talking or do something about what I'm saying, right. you know? And if they're not doing it, you say, why aren't, you're not listening. Mm -hmm. So that's the same sort of thing that God is, is saying is like, look back at your past. Look at how your fathers handled the word of God. Mm. Did they listen or did they not listen? And it's obvious that they didn't listen and what was the result of not listening to the word of God? Was mm. this, were the long years of, of famine, pestilence, the sword, exile, and now he's saying, don't be like them. Listen mm. diligently to me. Actually, in, um, in the Hebrew, this is just two words, shama, shama, mm. listen. Wow. Listen. Hmm. So, you know, it's sort of giving that emphasis, hmm. and then it's translated in the ESV, listen diligently to me. Wow. But it's kind of like a, a big <laughs> yeah. listen. Right. And it's almost like I get the sense from this is like, I have promised you all of this. Don't repeat the mistakes that your father's made. Like, you have an out here. You can take this road and all of these things will come true for you. So, like, this is such a, a strong imperative. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I appreciate the Lord's... Like, if you really... You could spend a week just meditating on this chapter easily, hmm. but the tone of this whole chapter, this is not a rebuke. Mm -hmm. This is like... Listen to my promises, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, he's, yeah, you can hear his fervent love yes. for them. Mm -hmm. He's saying, listen to me because I want you to be fulfilled. I want you to be satisfied. I want your soul to prosper, mm -hmm. you know? This isn't really about physical things and material things. This is about spiritually being satisfied and fulfilled. And the the next few verses, I don't know that we can get into very much because they're so tied into covenant. And I mean, it's just really deep. Like even as I sort of studied, I was like, my head was swimming. I was like, what? You know, all this stuff. So um, I think the point, if we just summed up the first section, the point is that God has promised deliverance, promised redemption. He's done something for them. He's, mm -hmm. he's 
I mean, even though this whole prophecy about Jesus is even further in the future, mm -hmm. he still opened a door for them and they can come to him. And if they'll listen, mm -hmm. then he's going, to, he's going to bring life out of death and he's going to bring prosperity out of poverty. Um, so then why don't we move on to the second section, which sort of gives them another level of how to respond. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, in looking at this, I, I was struck by this because here in the program, we talk a lot about um, Kairos moments. And for everyone who comes through the program, this, it definitely is a God-appointed time in their life. And I've seen both that turn for the good and for the bad for different guys. And mm. for any of us, wherever we are at, there is different points of time in our life that are special times. And I can't help but think about this um, in this verse, verse 6, about seeking the Lord while he may be found and calling upon him while he is near. Um, I just can't keep but think about that. And I can think back in my own life, many times the Lord had given me those Kairos moments, those times where there was a special appointed time to respond to his love, to his mercy, and I didn't. And it passed by. And later I had regrets about that because it could, I, just, I couldn't just recreate that moment. There was a specific call for me to come, and I did not respond. Hmm. But I have been learning how to respond to the Lord when he calls. I think it really goes back to if we have our ears inclined and our hearts inclined to hear him, we'll be very sensitive or sensitive enough to hear. When he is calling us in a special time to respond, like these people, they had a special time to respond to the Lord, to come into that blessing and into that promise that he has, but it's, a, it's for a time. Yeah, and like you were talking about at the very beginning, where are these people? Mm -hmm. They're in exile. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't seem like he's near. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like he's near. And I think that's important. Mm. That Kairos moment, that window of opportunity, it doesn't have to feel like God is anywhere around. You know, it's just He's saying, I'm with you, even if everything seems to indicate the opposite. Right. Yeah. And there's a, been a lot of times, and currently in my life, I'm in one of those times when it doesn't seem like the Lord is near. The Lord doesn't seem to be near. But when the Word of God says something, I've learned to trust and to simply take it at face value because the Word of God is the only pure thing in the world. Like there is no other book, no other thing that we have in our possession that is pure, that is absolute truth. And so if the Word of God is coming to me and is saying He is can be found. He is near. Um, I'm going to respond to that, even if it doesn't feel like that. Um, I have to respond to that. I don't have any other <laughs> option. It's like Peter's like, well, am I going to turn away? Well, I could, but 
who else has the words of life? Lord, you have the words of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, de it definitely takes real faith to, to seek him when everything feels dry, it feels dark, it feels hopeless. I mean, these people, you know, if you are reading this and you're sitting in Babylon, you've definitely seen the judgments of God come to pass, but there are prophecies in this book that are still future, mm -hmm. right? Like Cyrus, who was one of the ways that God was going to deliver his people, Cyrus is a totally unknown quantity. Mm -hmm. um, Cyrus wasn't even one of the known rulers in the Persian Empire, if, I, if I'm understanding correctly, mm. right? Wow. Like he, even within the Persian Empire, rose up from obscurity. So, mm. so yeah, this is total faith. Mm. Yeah. And it's always seeking the Lord is not something that I've found that I seek the Lord because I want to or that when he first calls me to seek him, there's like this rush of faith, this rush of like, oh yeah, I really want to do that. Um, it has always required me to put faith in what God is saying. Um, it's never easy, it's never been easy for me to get up from the place where I am and seek the Lord. And it's usually, it's usually in those times, in those places where we are, when we are in some kind of a dry place spiritually or in a place of captivity spiritually, it's not going to be intuitive to do this. Like, for example, like for these people in exile in Babylon, they're sitting in Babylon, they've seen the judgments of God come to them. They've seen his wrath and his fury outpoured upon them. And now he's saying, seek the Lord? <laughs> like they could be totally like, what in the world? Why, why should we seek him? Like he's the one, we've only received wrath at his hand. So like, you know, there's that thing in us that is cringing inside because we know we've sinned. We've, yeah. we've transgressed against the Lord and we deserve nothing but wrath. But here he's opening that revelation to us. Like, no, if you will seek me, these promises will come true. Even if you're wherever you're at, even if I've exiled you to the farthest place in the world, I'm still calling you if you'll respond to me. Yeah, yeah, that is awesome. And that's what I mean about just sort of another aside. I think I've done this in a couple of other episodes, but that's why we are putting such an emphasis on studying the Bible. Because what you just said about um, how God could have brought all of this difficulty and all of this judgment, even anger, for your sins and repaying you in some way for your mm -hmm. sins. He could have done all of that and still the message is not get away from me, I never want anything to do with you. It's always his judgment is always redemptive mm -hmm. or an attempt to redeem us, right? We still are going to have to choose and respond how we're going to respond to that. But 
we have to know the Lord's heart because yes. I know that there are people out there who they look at their life, they look at, at the wreckage, and mm -hmm. they the conclusion they come to is, God doesn't love me. And this is saying that is absolutely not true. Yeah, amen. He loves you. Mm -hmm. and, and he, in his love, he brought judgment. It's, it, we, we misread his heart, and the, and the enemy, the devil, causes us to bring a wrong conclusion to the work of God. And this chapter is telling us beyond all doubt mm -hmm. that his heart in judgment is always redemption. Yeah, amen. And we've got, we've got to know that. Because mm -hmm. now he's telling us, seek me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's just, this is why we really need to know the word of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this next verse, verse seven, is definitely something that I use a lot in counseling um, because you know, there's a, there is two parts to seeking the Lord. And one is to seek him, obviously, as we've been talking about. But as we know from many other scriptures, if our hearts are divided, if we have not forsaken our sin, um, God will not hear us. And that's part of why he's like entreating them so much, even earlier on in this passage, to leave all of those old ways behind for laboring for things that don't satisfy to come to him. That's what he's saying now is like, leave all your wicked ways, forsake them. You have to forsake your sin in order to find mercy. And it's kind of like what he's saying. Like, this is not just, okay, like, I'll just smooth over everything. We'll just forget the past. We'll start over fresh. <laughs> right. Turn over a new leaf. Seek me. No, like, this is he is asking and looking for a real deep heart change in them where they no longer are desiring and lusting after those old things, but they really have a genuine desire for him. Um, well, verse seven here talks about like, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And both of those, his way and his thoughts have two different, and I'll let you maybe talk a little bit about that, but I believe that that word way is like a lifestyle, like mm -hmm. the way that a person walks from day to day, his daily life. So that's kind of like the result of the way that you think, the way that your heart is motivated, or the things you set your heart on, the things that you meditate on day by day. So like there's, there's a process of this. This is not just gonna be something like you just make a determination, okay, this is gonna change. It's going to take time to renew your mind, to set your mind intentionally on the things of God, um, to get into the word, right? To pray. And as we are forsaking, that's what he's saying, as we're forsaking this old way of life and returning to the Lord, we are going to find that compassion coming into our lives and that abundant pardon that he is promising. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like he can't say it enough throughout this chapter that what God is willing to do, despite the fact that we have not listened to his words, rebelled against him, that if we will listen now mm -hmm. and do what he's asking us to do, he's gonna lavish us, yes. right? And that, I don't, I don't know enough to say this dogmatically, but in some ways, you know, the, the Bible can sometimes speak 
hyperbolically, mm. right? Like it, it almost feels like I just have to have this one moment where I do the right thing, and then it's just going to be like an a flood of mercy, compassion, and mm-hmm. change. It's not really. Some people experience that, but most mm-hmm. of the time, like you said, this is a this is a daily process where we forsake our old way of life and our thoughts and return to the Lord because the promise is that there's going to be lavish a lavish response from God. Mm-hmm. Now, it might take a year to experience that lavish response, mm-hmm. but God is is promising that what is in his heart is compassion and abundant pardon. Like mm-hmm. he's not going to hold back from us mm-hmm. if we if we listen to him. He's not stingy. He's not, oh, well, they did the right thing, so I guess I have to have mercy on them. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a revelation of his heart that he's really lavish in mercy. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, I've found that so true in my own life, the mercy of God coming to me in very unexpected ways. You know, it is so true. It's not a one-and-done thing, and in some ways I'm thankful for that because I don't think we could really take in all of the mercy of God that he wants to lavish on us. And so in a sense, it's kind of like in bite-sized ways where he comes in and it's like a little nugget of mercy, a little nugget of his love comes our way one day and then the next day or whatever, the next week. And it really helps us appreciate now that we've, since we've been exiled, it really helps us re- appreciate like, wow, like this is now like something that I'm going to hang on to and really protect and appreciate in my life now that I've experienced how it's been in exile, how it's been away from the presence of God. Yeah, and that, like everything you're saying there, just about sort of God's, I don't know how you would say, just the process or that it's uh, it can take a little bit of time to experience some of this is is definitely corroborated in other passages. You know, like how the children of Israel, when they came into the promised land, the Lord said, I'm not going to drive out the nations all at once. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to do it over time because if I did it all at once, then it says the land would be overrun by wild beasts. Mm. So it's like, oh, this is interesting that if God did it all at once, there would be something that would happen that would be another danger, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. And so what that danger is exactly isn't spelled out for us spiritually, but his, yeah, his point is, uh, okay, I'm not going to do this all at once, but this is his promise Mm -hmm. that what you're going to get as you go through that promise, you're gonna you're going to experience something that satisfies. You're gonna experience something that's good. Your mm-hmm. soul is going to live if you will do this. Mm-hmm. But it's gonna yeah, it's gonna take time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one thing that I saw that I'd never really seen before was the connection between verse seven and verse eight where he says, let the wicked forsake his way Mm. and the unrighteous man his thoughts. 
let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. But then in verse 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. So I'm forsaking my own way and my own thoughts in order to come into God's thoughts and God's ways. Mm -hmm. Like my whole life has to be conformed to his life. Mm -hmm. Before I used to think that, you know, when I would think about like these verses, as high as the heavens are higher than the earth, my ways are higher than your ways, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I always thought of it in terms of like, God is making these promises and they don't make sense to us, but that's okay because his ways are higher than my ways and his thoughts mm-hmm. are higher than my thoughts. But I, what he's really saying is you need a lifestyle that is much higher than what you have been living. Mm-hmm. You've been living in this low, base, sensual, rebellious life, and I'm calling you to forsake all of that, to come to me because I am going to raise you to a a different kind of a life. Yeah, wow. Where your thoughts are exchanged for God's thoughts. Where mm-hmm. you know, where my thoughts are exchanged for God's thoughts. My ways are exchanged for God's ways. And that's going to lift me to a different level of living. And obviously to anybody who's like honest with themselves, it's like I still need this. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Something else that I that I ended up thinking about with this was that God's response to our sin, our situation, is mercy, right? Yep. It says, you know, if you'll turn to me is compassion, right? I'll, I'll give you compassion. I'll abundantly pardon your sins. And thinking about how my thoughts were not centered on mercy and compassion toward others. Mm. Um, but this is the way God thinks. Mm. And my thoughts... And in that way, God's thoughts being as higher than my thoughts. Like it's kind of somewhat of a side point. It's probably not the exact main point that he's making. But this is like another revelation of like, wow, God's thoughts, his high thoughts are thoughts of compassion. His ways that are so much higher than my ways are ways of mercy and abundant pardon for my sin. Which again is... We need this because, like you were saying, if if what I've mainly experienced now it's it's our fault, right? Mm-hmm. If what we've mainly experienced is difficulty, trial, hardship, as a judgment for the life we've been living, the life of rebellion, then there's this question inside sometimes: Why should I? Why should I expect now to receive yeah. mercy and compassion? Right. And you're yeah, that's amazing. Because that's the way God thinks. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) So then in the next section, um, again, this is kind of, this is very much tied into the rest of the book. So maybe it, it's just very deep. We're not going to be able to pull everything out, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, his, his point as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. You know, if you lived in a um, in an agrarian culture 
where you were dependent on the land for your food, this is a very powerful promise mm. because, and I was reading somewhere, I think I was reading in this book, which is amazing. It's the book of Isaiah chapters 40 to 66 by a guy named John Oswalt. Powerful. We'll link to this in the show notes. But he was saying, you know, that if you missed one year of planting and harvest, that also ends or the result of that is another year mm. of starvation because mm. you're not only getting bread from that one year, you're also getting seed for the next. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at multiple years of hardship and hunger. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so God is, is saying, not only am I going to give you something for now, I'm going to give you something for later. It's This is going to be it's not just for you, it's also for, if you look at it in terms of time, it's not just for you, it's also for another generation. Like, I'm gonna make your life fruitful. Yeah, hmm, wow. Another thing about this, this promise of fruitfulness, when maybe like someone who has turned, who has repented, who has been setting their hearts on the Lord, uh, heart on the Lord, their thoughts on the Lord, and has been turning, and they're kind of in this in-between place. Mm -hmm. Like they are definitely in a sowing season, mm -hmm. right? Um, like we talked about earlier, it's not gonna be an immediate thing. This is something that I need very much to hold on to. Is like, okay, yes, I am responding to the Lord, but nothing's happening. What's, what's going on here? Well, <laughs> I am having to believe in the Lord's word. This is one of those scriptures you can just like hold on to um, when everything else just doesn't make any sense. Um, I'm doing what I can in my weakness to turn to the Lord, but I'm not seeing any of it. This is a scripture that I can anchor my faith in. This is what God said. He said, this is as surely as the rain and snow come down from heaven, so shall my word be that goes from my mouth. It will not, it shall not return void or empty. It will accomplish the thing that which I purpose. Mm -hmm. um, so as I'm holding on to this truth, as I'm clinging to the word of God, that is what I am doing. I am sowing for the future. I'm sowing for the next generation. I'm living my life in accordance to God's command, his way, and that is like sowing seed. And there will come a time, it's just like it says in verse 12, for you shall go out in joy. You will be led forth in peace. Um, this will happen, and it's only a matter of time, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. I mean, this, yeah, the... <laughs> some of the imagery or whatever maybe doesn't connect with us and we're like, oh, I don't really understand. But if you just boil it down, I mean, he's basically saying where there used to be devastation, where there used to be barrenness, where there used to be just an, an unfruitful life in the wilderness, hard, God is going to redeem it all. Yeah. He, he is going to change your situation and maybe not even change the circumstances. I don't know that we're always guaranteed that our circumstances mm -hmm. will change, but he's going to do something in our lives 
that make it as if the whole world has changed. Yeah. You yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Which is amazing. Like he can, because it's very true, what we're like on the inside has a very powerful effect on how we see the world. Mm-hmm. And if inside we're shriveled up and and lifeless and dead, that's what we project out into the world. But mm-hmm. when God changes us on the inside and comes in, we can see hope, we can see life, we can mm-hmm. see beauty in the world where before all we saw was, was just death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that really reminds me of a saying, I'm not sure where it's from, but one that I've heard, that for someone who is seeking the Lord, that this is true, um, it goes something like this, that God is able to take the worst thing that ever happened and make it better than if it never would have happened. Mm. Um, And yeah, I believe that. That's the cross. That's the gospel. That's the renewing Mm. power of God or the redeeming power of God, I should say, to take something that was completely wasted, completely ruined, and make it better, somehow better, than if all of that would have never happened. Mm. That's a wonderful thought. And I think for anyone who is really pursuing the Lord eventually will come to that. I know that for myself, I haven't fully tasted that completely, but um, I'm definitely coming into that, I would say. But I've heard people testifying to this truth, like it's better for me, I'm glad that this actually happened because without this exile, without this chastisement of the Lord, I'm better off now, I'm stronger spiritually now because of that, because now I'm seeing the mercy of God in a whole different light than I would have seen it if I wouldn't have walked through this. Mm. So anyways, that's that's a s- small thought that I had as well. Yeah, and, and just sort of as we as we sum up and wrap up, it's kind of like, You've got this invitation, come to me. Mm-hmm. There's something that I'm willing to do for you. And the response is to positively seek the Lord. And that's been sort of the thought behind this series is to teach people how to seek the Lord by studying the word. And then the negative side of forsaking our ways. But that's the promise is that if we will do that, he has the power to take what feels unredeemable and um, what feels like total loss and, like you said, make it better than if it had never happened. Mm -hmm. That's what this is saying. Now, whether or not we believe him Mm -hmm. is going to be the hinge on which our life turns. Yeah. Will we experience this or or not? And obviously we want to say, Please do it. Mm-hmm. Believe him. Yes. You know. Amen. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much for doing this. Yes, you're very welcome. So then next week we're going to look at Matthew chapter 5, 27 to 30 for those who are studying along with us, uh, which is about uh, we're going to bring out even a little more what's, what's in verse 7, which is forsaking your ways by looking at that passage of Jesus' words. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. 
All right, that does it for this week. If you're studying along with us, in our next episode, we'll be looking at Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 to 30. Thanks again for joining us on Purity for Life. We'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org. Thank you.